hope. No word from God. The house of God has been destroyed. And the preachers of God non-existent. The enemy of God is in control. And the people of God are held captive in a foreign land. Alone. Helpless and losing faith. Seventy years of slavery. Seventy years of God outlawed. Seven decades of darkness and despair. Spiritual darkness is just as real in the city we know today. No light, no hope, no knowledge of God. The house of God is just a building. The preachers of God appear swindlers and cheats. The enemy of God is controlling the city and the people held captive by their sins. Alone, helpless, and living without faith. The life of slavery, a life without God, of spiritual darkness and despair. But it's time to rebuild this city for hope to be restored. Just as in the days of Ezra, the truth of God's love, the truth of God's word, the truth of God's hope is here. It's time for new life to begin. It's time for a new city to be built. Who will build this city? What will make a difference in our lives today? What will God do in and through his church? The time to build is now. In Ezra chapter 7, if you've got your Bibles turned there, in Ezra chapter 7, we see the man Ezra come onto the scene. And this is a man the Bible tells us is a skilled scribe in the law. That means he used to take the word of God, he used to take the scrolls and write them down word for word so that we would have extra copies, so that other people would know what was going on, so they could be passed down from generation to generation. And in doing this, he would learn the word of God, he would memorize the word of God, and he would become an expert in the law. How many of you have your Bibles with you today? Whether it's in book form, tablet, phone, something. You got your Bibles? All right. Guys, this is an important book. And many times it sits around collecting dust in between Sundays. Now let me ask you to do, do me a favor this morning. If you've got your Bible with you, and especially if it's on an electronic form, if it's on a tablet or it's on a phone, I want to ask you to do me a big favor. Stay on your Bible app. Let's not switch over to Candy Crush. Let's not switch over to Facebook. Let's not switch over to texting or email. Let's just stay on our Bible, and let's focus today on the Word of God, okay? Because that's what I want to talk to you about today is the Word of God as we look at these city groups. Now, Pastor Troy mentioned that, that I, I'm overseeing um, our city groups that we're starting. If you don't know what that is, if you haven't heard about it yet, it's a small group type of atmosphere. It's, we're going to get together once a week. We're going to do it in semesters. Um, we're going to start this in just a couple of weeks, actually. Next Sunday, we're going to have a big kickoff for it, and we're going to have sign-ups, and you can sign up. There will be one here in Olive Branch, one in South Haven, and one that's designed especially for young adults between the ages of 18 and 27. Now, you can sign up for any of these and be a part of them, and, and we're going to talk today about what that's going to do for you. But um, in, in doing that, as we're, as we're getting ready for this, I want you to understand that everything we're doing in this is going to center around the Word of God. Because I believe if we're going to be what we need to be as a church, and if we're going to be what we need to be as city groups, and if we're going to be what we need to be as individuals, then the Word of God must be the center of it all. 
And we're going to talk more about that in a few minutes, but understand that this is our authority. This is what God has given us. Y'all know much about Ezra. I don't know. I don't know how much you've studied church history or the Bible in this area. A lot of people don't know that much about Ezra. It's not a book that people just run to to read all the time. But Ezra's an interesting book. And what happened was at one time the children of Israel were taken captive and they were taken to Babylon. And they were held captive there for 70 years. The temple was destroyed. There seemed to be, there were no prophets of God during this time. Nothing was going on. The people were alone and they were scared. And it seemed, they were praying that God would someday return them to their homeland. And finally, a new king came on the scene and he decided, I'm going to let some of the Israelites go back to Israel. And in doing that, a man named Zerubbabel. Yeah, can y'all say that? Zerubbabel. Isn't that a great name? My name's Dwindle. You know, I've, the other day at work, somebody seriously walked up to me as serious face and looked at me and said, has anyone ever made fun of your name? Yes, Chrissy, you have. <laughs> 43 years old, I am, I mean, uh, 30, 30, something like that, 43 years old, and I've had my name made fun of millions of times. I don't know, my mom says when I was little I'd even come home crying about it. I don't remember that. I do know as a teenager and in college, it was a great conversation starter with girls. But I actually like my name. And my name's different, I know. I'm the only dwindle in the world in many ways. And I like that. I actually like being unique. I like having something different. But this guy's name was Zerubbabel. Let's face it, that's weird. Any of you, I mean, Vince, I expect you, when y'all have your first child, Zerubbabel's the name, okay? Guy or girl, doesn't matter. Zerubbabel. Now, Zerubbabel came on the scene, and he led a, a large group of Israelites back to Israel from, uh, from Babylon. And in doing that, they began, the king gave them the freedom to go ahead and start rebuilding the temple. And they did that. And about a year after the temple was rebuilt, Ezra came on the scene, and God's going to send him back to Israel as well with a second group of Israelites that are getting to go back. Now, Ezra is an incredible man of God. Ezra... The Bible tells us he's a skilled scribe. He tells us that the hand of God was upon him. He was naturally a leader. Uh, the king's going to give him a, a letter that's going to allow him to go back and lead the people and set up a government system and train people in what's correct and not correct within the government and within the word of God. Ezra is, is an incredible man who's going to go down in, who has gone down in history as a great influencer for God, as someone who made an impact in the world because of his faithfulness and really it centers around because of his love of God's word the word of God makes a difference in our lives I'm gonna tell you this if the only time you hear the word of God or the only time you read the word of God are the few little verses you get every Sunday when you come here you're missing out if that's the only Bible you're getting through the week you're not where you need to be as a Christian you're not where you need to be in your walk with God because you cannot be close to someone, have a close relationship with someone, have an intimate relationship with someone that you never hear from them. You never talk to them. You never hear them speak to you. You must read God's Word if you want to have that relationship. You must study it, not just on Sundays, not just listening to podcasts of other preachers preaching, but actually reading the Word of God for yourself, studying it, and applying it to your life. And we're going to look at that today. Before we get into it, I'm going to tell you a little story in just a second. Before we do, I just want to pause for a second and pray. I meant to do this a minute ago, but I want to do that and just ask for God's blessing on what we're about to cover as we look at the city. Father God, we love you. 
Lord, it overwhelms me that you would allow us to know you, to be able to talk to you and have a relationship with you, and that you've loved us enough to give us this incredible book to teach us about you and your love for us. And God, I pray this morning that you would remove dwindle names from this pulpit. I pray, God, that, that you would overlook who I am and think about the people who need your word today. God, may you be glorified. May others be edified. And may, be, may you be the star of everything that happens today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I used to tell the story about a young man named Billy. Um, Billy was a typical teenage guy here in Mississippi. He uh, lived in a small town, didn't go to church. A lot of his friends from school went to church, and they, one time a couple of his friends came to him and said, Billy, we're going to church camp this summer. Why don't you go with us? He said, man, you know I'm not into that kind of stuff. I don't want to do that. They said, oh, come on, Billy. It's going to be fun. So I'll tell you what, this camp we're going to, they have horseback riding. You like to ride horses. They have water skiing. You can do that. They have volleyball and basketball. They, they have a lake you can fish in. There's trails to hike on. There's all kind of stuff to do. It's going to be a lot of fun. Billy said, well, I mean, that all sounds fun, but I'm just not into that religion stuff. And they said, Billy, there's going to be girls from all over the country there. He said, okay, I'm in. And Billy decided to go to camp, and he signed up and went. And you know what? Billy got to do all those things. He got to ride the horses. He got to water ski. He got to swim. got to play basketball and volleyball. And he got to meet some girls. Got some phone numbers. This was back in the day before cell phones, so you had to call the home and good chance that Dad answered, but he got some phone numbers. And he, uh, but an amazing thing happened on Friday night at camp. As they were sitting through a service and, and the word of God was being proclaimed, all of a sudden Billy had an overwhelming desire to know God. And he walked and talked to his counselor, and that night Billy gave his heart and life to Christ and repented of his sins and became a Christian. Billy came back home and he was a little confused and he was walking around and he lived kind of close to the church and he was walking by the church one day that week and the pastor kept office hours and he walked into the church and said, Pastor, can I talk to you for a second? He said, sure, Billy, come on in. How was camp? And they talked about it and he said, this is what Billy said to the pastor. Pastor, I'm a Christian, but now what do I do? That's an interesting question. How many times have we watched people pray a prayer, raise their hand during a service and say, I want to receive Christ, maybe even get dunked in some water, but then nothing ever changed? How many times have we seen it where we, we've rejoiced over people saying that they're going to follow Christ and they want, they want a new start, a fresh start with Christ, but then they never come back to church? We never see them any evidence of growth. What happened? What should we do next? If we're really Christians, if we really have repented of our sins, turned away from those sins and said, I don't want to do it anymore, God. We've really said, God, you're God and I'm not. I want to trust you. If we've really said, I'm going to accept the blood of Jesus that was sacrificed for my sin and I want to follow Jesus as Lord of my life, not just as a place to go to heaven someday, but to have that abundant life on earth that he promises. I want him to be the Lord of my life. If we've really done that, what next? What should we do that's going to make a difference? And that's what I want to talk to you this morning about. As I talk to you about a city within a city, discovering God's design for community, I want to talk to you about building that city. And we're going to look at the word city, C-I-T-Y, and look at four different 
uh, four things that, that spell out what city groups are going to be about. But I, more than that, what you can do to grow as a Christian, what you can do to have an intimate relationship with the God of the universe. Okay? And we're going to do that by looking at the life of Ezra. Our key verse today is verse 10 of Ezra chapter 7. If you've got your Bibles, look at that. And it says this. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. Read it again. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. Ezra, the Bible tells us, is a skilled scribe in the law of God. It tells us in verse 6 and verse 9 that the good hand of God was upon him. And, because the good, and the reason that the good hand of, the, of God was upon him was because of this. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach its statutes and ordinances in Israel. It all centers around the word of God. The reason Ezra was so skilled, the reason Ezra was so respected, the reason Ezra was given authority to go do what he's about to do, the reason Ezra had the hand of God upon him and the blessings of God on his life is because of his understanding and his relationship with the word of God. And I believe if we'll be involved in city groups, the way city groups are designed to be, not just coming together and having some fun, not just coming together and strictly studying the Bible, but actually doing what city groups are designed to do through these four points that we're going to show today. I believe that our church will be strengthened, city groups will multiply, and we as individuals will become closer to God. That's going to happen if we'll do it the way it's designed to do. So the first thing I want you to see this morning, and it's in this verse that we just read, is... The C, which is cultivate your knowledge of God. The first thing you've got to do if you want to grow in your relationship with God, and one of the first things we, we need to understand about city groups is there's a need to cultivate our knowledge of God. Ezra said, it said in Ezra 7.10, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. One version says to study the law of the Lord. He had dead, one version says, For Ezra had devoted his life to the study of the law of God. He had devoted his life to the study of God's word. And what happened? He was blessed. What happened? He, he received the hand of God upon him. What happened? He was able to lead a nation to greatness. You know, if you're going to, I don't know how many of you like to grow gardens. I know there's a few of you here that do. My dad's a garden grower. My dad... For all of my life, he's grown a garden. When I was little, he used to have me come out there and help him with certain things. But he grows a big one with all kind of different vegetables. And, uh, you know, I, I've tried a few times. As a matter of fact, not too long ago, I tried to plant a garden. And we went out there and put, every, put some stuff down, a little bit small garden, planted some stuff. And some things started happening. It rained five days in a row. A lot of other things happened that week. By the time I got back out there to mess with that garden, you know what had happened? It was gone. There was nothing left there except a bunch of mud. I let it go. I said, I'm not doing it anymore. My dad loves to grow a garden, but here's the thing about growing a garden. Gardens take time and attention. If you don't go out and till the ground, if you don't fertilize the soil, if you don't plant the seed, if you don't water it, if you don't take care of it and weed the garden as it begins to grow, you're not going to get the best fruit. 
or vegetable or whatever you're growing. There's going to be problems with your garden. If you want the best garden with the best fruit, the best vegetables, you have to tend that garden. You have to give it some attention. You have to give it some time. It's not something you can just go out there and say, hey, I want some vegetables in a couple of months, so here, here's some seed, throw it out on the ground, and then a couple of months later come back and gather it. It doesn't work that way. It takes your attention. It's the same way in your relationship with God. You want to have a close relationship with God? You wonder why God's not blessing right now? You wonder why God's not speaking right now? How often have you opened his word? How many times have you sat down for even 10 minutes and read his word and said, God, what do you want to say to me today? See, we love to sit down for a minute and meditate and think about it, and then whatever pops into our head, say, oh, God spoke to me. But you know what? You don't know if that's God speaking if you're not in the word. Because I'm going to tell you, Satan knows how to speak to you also. And he comes disguised as an angel of light, and he can make it look real pretty. He can make it look real attractive. You want to have the prettiest garden? You want to have the blessed life? You want to have a life that God is blessing in an immense way? Spend time with God. In our city groups, we've got to do that. Now, understand this is not just a Bible study. There's more to it than that. But there's going to be Bible study taking place at these groups. We're going to look at it. Now, some of them are going to do a strict Bible. Some of them are going to have a specific time to actually look through some passages. Some of them are going to look at a different theme. Some of them are going to look at a book that is based on biblical principles and study that from a biblical viewpoint. But every time you come together as a city group, you're going to do something to focus on the Word of God because the Word of God is center to what we're doing. So the first thing we've got to do as a city group and the first thing we've got to do as individuals is cultivate our knowledge of God. Spend some time with his word. Learn his word. Memorize his word so that we can apply it to our lives. The second thing in building a city, the second thing in these city groups, we see in chapter 10 as well, and it says this, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, and look at this, and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. Ezra didn't just study the word of God. He taught the word of God. He didn't just learn it for himself. He actually passed it on to others so that they could benefit from what God was teaching him. In a city group, this is what we're going to do with the I. The C was cultivate your knowledge for God. I is increase your influence for God. You're going to increase your influence for God. You may, want to, you may say, well, Brother Wendell, I don't want to have any influence. Wendell, I don't want to do this. Well, that's fine. I just went back to my old preaching days. Lord help me. Whew. Um, I, I just... I don't want to have an influence. Well, maybe you don't, but let me tell you, you need to have people with a godly influence in your life, and at some point you're going to help influence others. And sometimes you showing up, even though you don't realize it, you're going to influence others in a positive way. Not only are you going to influence the people in that group, that's going to influence our church as a whole, and it's going to influence this community, and it's also going to influence the communities where the small groups meet. We're going to increase our influence for God. Some of you love to cook. Some of you love to garden. Some of you love to work on cars. Whatever it is you love to do. Some of you love to sew, I think. I don't know. Women still do that, right? Um, we, you know, some of you, whatever it is, all of us have something that we enjoy to do. And you know what? When you have a certain activity, a certain hobby that you enjoy, what happens? You end up talking about it, right? You get a, Football season's about to start. All right. 
How many conversations are about to take place out here in this lobby before and after church with guys who think they're experts in football? Yeah. And it's going to be fun because we're going to talk about how good Ole Miss is going to be this year. And I know some of you are going to expect Alabama to be at top again. But hey, this isn't about football, is it? This is about our walk with Christ. But the fact is, when you love something, when you're passionate about something, you share it with others. But yet, for some reason, we, we don't want to do that with our walk with God. We don't want to do that with our knowledge of the Scriptures. We want to hold back because we don't want to pressure someone. We don't want to scare someone off. I used to have a seminary professor that used to ask the question when it came to witnessing. Somebody would say, well, I don't want to scare them off. And his question was, where are you going to scare them to, hell number two? At some point, we have to share what we know. At some point, we have to influence others. And if you know about something, you're going to share that. The other night, now, I don't know if I should tell this story or not because I didn't get permission, but last Wednesday night, I think it was Wednesday night, last, night, last week one night, Kenneth was standing out here talking to, to Pastor Troy about his car, and Kenneth had done some things on, to his car for him and helped him out. And he was explaining some things, and he was explaining a lot of mechanical things with the car, that when it does this, it's this reason, and when it does this, it's this reason. And, and I could tell myself that Pastor Troy was listening and being nice, but he didn't know what in the world he was talking about. He, he, he not a, he's not a, really a, a car guy, right? But you could tell Kenneth was excited to share this. He was excited to share his knowledge of this because when you love something, you like sharing it with others. So how much do you love Jesus? In a city groups, we're going to influence our, or we're going to increase our influence, just as Ezra did, because he knew the Word of God, because he loved the Word of God, because he had dedicated his life to the study of the Word of God. He taught others. And I'm not saying you're going to be the teacher in a city group, but what I'm saying is we come together as a group, and as we begin to study the principles of God, we begin to study the Word of God. Somewhere down the road. Some of your experience and some of your understanding that God has taught you is going to help someone else who's in need. Just as someone else in the group is going to help your understanding and your need at some point, And your influence is going to increase. Let me tell you something. If you'd asked me a year and a half ago if I would ever preach again, I would have laughed in your face. Don't know how much all of you know about my story. Several of you know it. But... I was a pastor, resigned, got into working in medical device field, ended up becoming a missionary, came back. And to be honest, went through a time where I ran from God. Felt like a failure. Felt like God could never use me again. Felt like I had no right to ask. And my punk little son started coming to a Wednesday night youth service here at this church. And um, he kept telling me about this awesome guy who was the youth pastor at the time. And finally one Sunday I come to church and the youth pastor come up and introduced himself and I'm like, all right, there's a youth pastor. I met hundreds of them. At that point I didn't want to be back with God. I didn't want to know. I didn't want to grow. I didn't want to be a part of a church, but I knew my boys needed to be in church, so we started coming off and on. Pastor Troy then became pastor instead of youth pastor, and, and God spoke to me in a very intense, real way, three Sundays in a row. And 
And I finally, one Sunday, set him down here, just recommitted my life to Christ and asked him to give me one more chance. And since then, a lot of things have happened. A lot of things have changed. First time Pastor Troy asked me to share an exhortation at the end of the song service, I was literally shaking. Bailey come up to me today and said, Dad, don't shake like you did that first time. But here's something that happened. I've been a little nervous about this, about today. Not because of public speaking. That part's not a big deal to me. Because of the spiritual aspect of where I am. Am I with God where I need to be? Can he use someone like me? This week I was actually kind of worried about it a little bit. And I was praying and asking God to just show me clearly that I was doing the right thing. I was sitting at work and I got a message that said dwindle from a friend of mine I went to high school with who lives in another state. I haven't seen since high school, but we've talked a few times on Facebook. I said, Dwindle, is there any way we can talk for a minute? I really need to talk to you. So I said, yes, yeah, send me your phone number. And I walked outside and gave a call. Going through a real hard time with a son who's gotten into some trouble, feeling real down and out, feeling like they don't know where to turn. I didn't really say much. Gave a little bit of advice. Prayed for him. But here's what was said to me. Dwindle, I've been watching your journey the last couple of years. And I saw where at one point you were saying things on Facebook that I knew wasn't you. And now I've seen for the last year your growth, and I've seen you talking about your church and what God's done, and I just felt like you were someone I could trust to listen and pray for me. A year and a half ago, I told a friend of mine, actually two years, almost two Almost two years ago, a friend of mine called me trying to tell me that I was running from God, and I told them they were a fool. He said, you don't know where I am with God. You don't know anything about me. And I said, don't worry about it. You never have to worry about me influencing anyone because I'll never preach or teach again. A lot of things have happened in the last year and a half to get me to this point. But the truth is, folks, it doesn't matter your past. doesn't even matter your present. What matters is, what are you going to do now? Because regardless of the situation you're in, regardless of how dark it seems, regardless of how hopeless it seems, through the power of God, your influence can increase. When we're into these city groups, it's going to happen. The influence of you as individuals, the influence of the group itself, the influence of this church is going to increase. When the word of God is the center. We're going to look at the letter T, and it's also found in verse 10. It says this, For Ezra had, preached, had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to, and to do it. Now, 
Normally, if I'm preaching the passage like this, I'm going to go in order and I'm going to do this as number two, not number three. But I'm trying to spell out the word city today. And this is the letter T. So I had to go out of order. But the letter T stands for this. It is transform your walk with God. Transform your walk with God. It says that Ezra not only studied the law of God, he actually did it. And you're saying, well, I can't influence anybody yet. Well, maybe you can't yet, but you can someday when this takes place. Because, see, what's going to happen is there's a progression. You're going to study the Word of God. You're going to learn the Word of God. And as you do that, you're going to apply it to your life, which is going to change your life. And when your life changes, then your influence is going to increase. This is what happened in the life of Ezra. This is how Ezra became the man he became. This step is a very important step that's going to come before the step we just talked about. I know someone who has a very nice degree from college. It's, it's, a, it's an important degree. It's a degree that should allow you to make quite a bit of money. But so far, they're sitting at home living on the government because they're not getting out looking for a job. And so the question is this. What good is the knowledge if you never apply it? I was going to do a little demonstration today with this and try to teach someone how to salsa dance and show you that it's a lot better if you're involved. But we decided not to do that. But here's the thing. I know y'all don't believe it, but I like the salsa. It's fun. Um, anyway, if you do this, the thing is, whatever you're learning in life, if you never apply it, the learning is useless. You can sit around and read the Word all day long, and if it doesn't change your life, you've just wasted your time. If you can't figure out how to apply it to what you're doing, it's useless. Yesterday I got a phone call from a young man. It's uh, one of my son's two best friends. He's over in Texas for a year in a ministry intern internship over there, and he just had his first week and went pretty rough. Had to get up at 5.30 every morning and do exercising. He's not a morning person. No one that's friends with my son is um, uh, they had to do certain activities and certain things that he didn't enjoy and didn't really want to do but he had to do them and he called me yesterday and was talking to me about it and he said Mr. DeWendell the, he, he said I finally learned this week he said I'm, what God's trying to teach me this week is that the joy of the Lord is my strength not my joy and that I can't let the circumstances and my emotions determine how I'm going to react and how it affect my attitude. He said, I started getting a bad attitude, and I wanted to just tell some people off. But I had to learn to be happy in whatever state, even at 5.30 in the morning. And the way he put it is, I don't even think God's awake at 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> so just wait till you get a real job, son, if you ever get one. No, I'm kidding. Um, but the thing is, we have to learn that. We have to allow the Word of God the joy of God to change our lives. And when we're part of a city group, your life, as you're part of that, your life is going to change over time. Because as you begin to hang out with other Christians, it's going to influence you more in your walk with Christ. See, I'm, I'm a big fan of having non-Christian friends. I'm a big fan of spending time with non-Christians. But if you spend the majority of your time with non-Christians, you're going to end up acting like non-Christians. 
You spend the majority of your time around strong, growing Christians, and you're going to begin to strengthen and grow. And your walk with Christ will be transformed. Elijah, I mean Elijah, Ezra, his life influenced others because he actually did what he studied. He actually applied it to his life. And as you began to apply the principles of God to your life through these city groups, you're going to see your life change and the blessings of God are, begin to, are going to begin to pour onto your life. There's one more thing we're going to look at this morning, and that is the letter Y. And it's in two verses here, actually several, but two we're going to look at. In verse 6 it says this, This Ezra came up from Babylon, and he was a skilled scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. The king granted him all his requests. Now catch this. The king granted him all of his requests. How often does that happen? According to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. And look in verse 9. Verse 9 says, On the first day of the first month he began to his journey from Babylon, and on the first day of the fifth month he came to Jerusalem according to the good hand of his God upon him. What happened? All of a sudden now, because God's hand was upon Ezra, Ezra was able to fulfill a dream he had. He was able to go back to God's promised land. He was able to go back to Jerusalem and worship in the temple of God, which had been destroyed and rebuilt. He's now fulfilling one of the greatest dreams any Israelite ever had in this day. Why? Because God's hand was upon him. Why was God's hand upon him? Because of what we've been reading in verse 10. Because Ezra had devoted himself to the study of the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his decrees and laws in Israel. It's a different version, but that's what it says. Ezra was able to fulfill his dreams. Ezra was able to do everything he needed to do. He was able to see his influence multiply because he centered his life around the word of God. He yielded the fruit of God. He's now going to Jerusalem to lead the city. The king is going to give him a letter. If we were to keep reading in verses 11 and following, he's going to have a letter that gives him the freedom to set up the leaders in that city and to teach the people the law of God. Matter of fact, let's look at it in verse 25. It says, And you, Ezra, according to your God-given wisdom, set magistrates and judges who may judge all the people who are in the region beyond the river, all such as know the laws of your God, and teach those who do not know them. Ezra's about to reach out to people who don't even know the word of God, and he's about to influence them and win them and have teach them how to worship the one true God because of his passion about the word of God. And in verses 27 and 28, he says this, Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers who has put such a thing as this in the king's heart to beautify the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem and has extended mercy to me, this is Ezra speaking, before the king and his counselors and before all the king's mighty princes. He says, God has extended mercy to me and he's allowed me to do this wonderful thing. Why? Because Ezra had devoted his life to the study of the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach its laws and decrees in Israel. Ezra recognized the incredible blessings that God has put on his life and the fruit that was being produced now. And here's the thing about city groups. If we do them the way they're supposed to be done, we're going to see people come to Christ the church is going to grow 
city groups are going to grow. And our influence outside is going to grow so that more people can come to Christ. We have three city groups going to start in a couple weeks. For one semester, it's going to last about 12, 13 weeks. And then we'll start a new semester sometime in January probably. And then there will be another semester later on, then another, and then another. We're going to do them in semesters. And I fully expect that every semester we have to add more groups because we're going to have more and more people as we multiply and yield the fruit of God. See, when you plant a garden, you expect to eventually go out there and pick the fruit, right? So why as a Christian do we expect our only fruit to be to come to church on Sunday? Or do we think that our only fruit is getting to heaven someday? Folks, if that's the only fruit you're working for, you're missing out. We're going to yield the fruit of God. In Galatians 5, verses, 6, verses 22 and 20, through 24, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It says, Against such there is no law, and those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and des desires. See, now that we're born-again believers in Jesus Christ, now that we're studying his word, now that we're growing in our walk with Christ, now that we're growing in our influence for him, we can now produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We can now allow God to work through us for his glory, our edification, and the salvation of those outside. If we do city groups the way they're meant to be, we're going to see God glorified. We're going to see ourselves edified. We're going to see the lost brought to Christ.